All right, welcome to the Big Texas Podcast presented by Texas Young Republicans. I'm your host, Jordan Overturf, bringing to you a very special live edition of the podcast. And normally we have some uh, some housekeeping to do at the top of the show, but I'm going to go ahead and get all that out of the way and welcome our guest today, U.S. Senator John Cornyn. Senator, thank you so much for joining us. How are you and your family managing at this time? Well, thanks for having me on, Jordan. Uh, we're doing fine. We're just following, uh, you know, the admonition your mother gave you, wash your hands and don't touch your face too much and uh, maintain social distancing and and uh, trying to uh, make sure that we uh, help do our part to bend that curve that we've heard so much about. And it looks like it's uh, looks like it's working. Um, so uh, at the same time, we've been busy passing legislation, obviously, to try to deal with both the public health and the economic consequences of this uh, of this virus, and so uh, this has been this has been a, an adjustment for all of us. Yeah, so you've been pushing back against Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, who have you know done a lot to block some of this much needed relief uh, on behalf of uh, you know the federal level officials. But you have been working your tail off trying to get in touch with chambers of commerce and other local groups. Can you talk about a little bit more about what you are doing uh, specifically to to just address constituents and, and talk to folks during this time? Yeah, of course, we've all been uh, we've all been in our homes and uh, and and obviously trying to follow the directions of our leaders at the local or state level and not uh, you know, gather in large groups. So the best way to communicate, as we all know now, is using things like Zoom and Skype and in addition to the regular old telephone conference and and uh, telephone calls. Uh, it's been 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 busy. Uh, I know there's a lot of concern and a lot of ang- some anxiety and a lot of need to try to address what the, what we are doing in Congress to try to be responsive. And uh, one of the best ways I've found is to reach out to local chambers uh, and talk about, for example, the Paycheck Protection Program, which has been incredibly popular with small businesses, uh, encouraging them, helping them retain their employees and fixed expenses. I had a, I had a, a video conference just today with the Plains uh, Plains Council's cotton growers and, and other large agriculture groups. And uh, just a few days ago, in addition to chambers, just talking to some of our um, sexual assault um, prevention and support groups. Uh, you can imagine during this time when there's anxiety about your next paycheck having to be confined uh, to somebody who perhaps is, uh, is a perpetrator of abuse and uh, not be able to have any place really to go. So this has been a very difficult time for everybody, um, some more than others. Uh, but I, but we, we're trying to stay in touch with everybody, talk about what they can do to uh, help themselves in addition to uh, the things we're, we're doing personally. Well, now that Congress is back, uh, President Trump has chosen you to serve on his advisory uh, committee for reopening our country. Uh, You know, many of the people who are watching this right now, who are listening to this, are wondering, when will this end? Do we have any better guidance? Well, that's the $64,000 question. What I can tell you is that we are throwing everything we have at this virus. Uh, there's 72 clinical trials going on right now to try to come up with an effective treatment. And uh, 
and also obviously a, a, a vaccine ultimately. That uh, is maddeningly slow because it's very complex. But uh, my hope is that once we get by this initial phase of mitigation, we begin to open up our economy, people can go back to work, they can uh, open their shops and restaurants, uh, that uh, will at the same time uh, be developing treatment for those who actually get it, and then uh, ultimately a vaccine, which would turn this into something like seasonal flu, uh, something you can actually, if you're a vulnerable person or a part of a vulnerable cohort of our population, you can get vaccinated, so reduce dramatically your chances of getting this uh, getting this uh, this virus. So, but there's a lot of concerns by our mayors and county judges and who are dealing with different local conditions. I talked to folks out in Midland, Texas, who are experiencing a double whammy of crashing oil prices and lack of demand. At the same time, they are trying to deal with the public health consequences and dealing with people like uh, the mayors of Dallas and Houston, which obviously are large metropolitan areas that have the majority of our of our cases. So we're trying to help one another. And as Texans always do, we pull together during a time of crisis. And, uh, and that's what we're doing now. Yeah, uh, this is kind of a precarious situation to be dealing with the pandemic. And then now the news of uh, the oil industry. Uh, For you, what do you say to young Texans who may be, you know, just starting their careers, just graduating college at the as they look at this post coronavirus job market, uh, are we about to see a flood of opportunity, or are options going to be kind of limited as companies come back online after this response? Well, I think the, the amazing thing about our our economy and uh, and our country is how adaptive uh, people are, and entrepreneurs and job creators are. For example, at the same time, you've seen many businesses shut down, hospitality industry, for example, you've seen a huge increase in the number of jobs that are available, let's say, with Amazon or UPS or uh, other other uh, other companies. So uh, we'll, we'll adapt to this, and it's hard to know exactly what that will look like. I do think that for the immediate future, we're going to be dealing with a lot more social distancing and hand washing and... Uh, maybe some changes at the airport. I'm sure there'll be some changes at the airport when we travel or when we congregate, but I, I would not be, uh, I think this is a temporary setback. I don't think this is anything more than that. And I think uh, young Texans ought to be uh, optimistic about their future. Uh, you, you, if you're from Texas, you're living in the best place in the country uh, to deal with a setback like this, because although we've uh, had these body blows before Hurricane Harvey was the last big one I can think of. We always come back stronger by, by pulling together. Yeah. Now I, I'm glad that you're providing that message of encouragement because I think folks really need that at this time. Uh, I want to switch gears if I may over to the campaign side of things. Uh, this week there's been uh, a few new endorsements that have come out, uh, on the other side of the aisle. Uh, we've also since seen, uh, Bernie Sanders drop out. I just kind of wonder as someone who is pretty experienced, uh, in the campaign world, what do you make of this cycle in a post coronavirus America? Well, I do think that, uh, COVID-19 and the coronavirus is going to turn traditional politics on its head. And uh, obviously, in addition to knocking on doors and holding fundraisers, 
we haven't, instead of doing that, we've been volunteering at food pantries and Meals on Wheels. Uh, and I also think this is, uh, we're all going to be judged by how well we respond uh, to this crisis. This uh, uh, this is something none, no one really knew was uh, was going to happen. Uh, nobody really was prepared for. Uh, hopefully, we will learn that lesson and we'll be better prepared next time. But I think right now, the, the, the right politics is the right policy, and that is to focus on people and to make sure that we are being as responsive as we can to their needs. People who are worried about their health, maybe the elderly parent or grandparent or a loved one that has some underlying uh, chronic uh, health problems, which are particularly vulnerable to this virus. If you're young and otherwise healthy, you are at low risk, particularly if you do the mitigation things that we talked about earlier. But I think this this uh, year's elections are going to be all about who people trust to focus on their concerns about their pu- the public health and about the economy. And I think uh, President Trump has, uh, has done a good job. People, it's easy to criticize. We know that from, uh, from sports. Uh, you know, we make a, we, we, uh, we're, we're world class when it comes to harassing and criticizing the other side. Uh, but this, I think, is going to be about character and about, uh, about delivering, uh, again, in this crisis for people who are concerned about their health and about their, about their jobs. Yeah, I'm glad you bring up character. Uh, AOC has kind of become the poster child for the young voices in politics, uh, but clearly her tactics are only working with the marginalized audience, especially from what we've seen uh, from her this week. As news of the oil industry, uh, you know, those prices crashing come out. Uh, it, it seems bizarre that in one case she can lament the loss of jobs because of coronavirus uh, while stalling efforts to provide that stimulus uh, and then at the same time be trumpeting the loss of these oil and gas jobs, especially at a crucial crucial time when Texans you know, want to be working, they want to be providing for their families. Uh, my question to you is, what do you say to young Republicans who want to be part of the conversation and what tips can you give them in connecting with the current GOP leadership? Well, my advice is to look for um, leaders that you respect and you admire. And uh, and uh, I'm thinking about uh, the role that a guy like Dan Crenshaw has played. He's been a, a breath of fresh air and a guy with uh, incredible character, uh, a great patriot who served our country in uniform and and uh, who's now doing a great job in Congress. So uh, I think listening to somebody like AOC, who clearly does not know what she's talking about, but is trying to appeal to the ideological fringe in her own party, um, is uh, obviously uh, she's got nothing to offer in terms of actually rebuilding the economy after this virus or dealing with this, uh, dealing with the public health issues that are of concern because she's really all involved in politics all the time. That's not a demonstration of character. That's not leadership. So my advice is to find some uh, somebody who, who uh, is serving in public life that you admire, offer your fresh eyes and innovative points of view, join a campaign or leadership team. People always ask me, how do you get involved in politics? I said, well, volunteer is the best way to do that. And while uh, we are constrained by 
the mitigation efforts over the virus now and not doing as much in-person campaigning. Uh, that will open up later on. But uh, remember this, that history is made by those who show up and who do things and who uh, demonstrate character and resolve and who are people we admire, not the critics. So uh, as you look at this election cycle and uh, we see the challenges that kind of face candidates up and down the line, I wanted to ask you, since you've served in the Senate with both Bernie Sanders and uh, Joe Biden, did the Democratic side of the presidential race turn out the way you thought it would based on your experience with them in the upper chamber? Well, I, I never believed that a Democratic Socialist would, would be the nominee of the Democratic Party, much less uh, President of the United States. Um, but it's obvious that the Democrats are deeply divided between the ideological radicals like uh, Bernie Sanders, who is a self-avowed socialist, and people like Joe Biden, who's been around for a long, long time, and is kind of a get-along, go-along kind of guy. One thing worries me about Joe Biden, even though he's, he is a very nice guy, um, personally, is that I think he's going to be driven, much as Nancy Pelosi is, not by his judgment on what's good policy, not his personal preference, but rather by the AOCs, the squads, and the more radical members of the Democratic base. And uh, obviously, um, since he has been... Uh, identified as the winner of the Democratic primary. He's, he's voiced support for plans or policies that the old Joe Biden never would have considered and that Texans will find extreme, like eliminating fossil fuels, as if that were even possible. Um, the Green New Deal, a federal gun buyback, where he declared that Beto would be his, uh, his you know, lead that gun grab effort. So um, don't be fooled. Uh, Joe Biden even though he seems mild-mannered and is a likable guy, um, he's going to be an advocate for these policies that uh, he's going to need to support in order to, to keep the support of his political base in the Democratic Party. So are those the issues that you think should be at the forefront of Texans' minds, or what are the issues you think Texans should be focusing on as we look through the lens of the post-coronavirus America? Well, I think it's going to be all about uh, how do we how do we prevent something like this pandemic from occurring again? We know that other viruses have come from China. We know China sat on this information uh, for a while and did not share it with the rest of the world, so we could better prepare and protect ourselves. I think that's going to be a big concern. Uh, relying on China for our supply chain for our uh, pharmaceuticals or our, uh, our medical equipment. One reason why personal protective equipment has been slow, slow to be put in the hands and on the bodies of our healthcare providers and our law enforcement is because the supply chain's been disrupted because it comes from China. We're gonna have to do more, bring more of that manufacturing back to the United States and there's things Congress can do to help support that. But uh, obviously the economy and jobs is going to be uh, was, was the number one feather in, uh, I think, President Trump's cap and in the, uh, and for Republicans in the House and the Senate. Obviously, our economy is going to be hurt badly. We are probably in a, we are in a recession now. And, but if we do things right, 
then uh, we'll start bouncing back come uh, come the third quarter, sometime around July. Our economy should start picking up again as we reopen. But I think that's going to be the dominant issue and the sort of leadership um, that uh, that elected officials have demonstrated. Have they been the critics who are carping at those who are trying to solve the problem, or have they contributed to the solution? I think that will be the dominant issue in this election. Uh, certainly, as uh, we get closer to November, I know uh, folks will be looking back on that and having that discussion. Um, for for the young conservatives who are sitting around having the conversation with their family about you know when is the safest time to reopen, uh, and they try and go about living their lives and providing these solutions, taking action to help the economy bounce back. What do you say to these young conservatives uh, who may begin to feel disenfranchised by the vitriol from the left? Well, my my message is don't give up, don't be intimidated. That's exactly what they they're hoping uh, will will happen, and uh, you'll be silenced. I think um, you know a free society does best when we have free and open discourse and debate. Um, that's clearly something they don't want because they they're pretty they, they know they are vulnerable and can't win a good faith argument in front of an impartial judge or jury or voter. And so uh, I would just say continue to stay engaged. Don't stoop to their tactics, which is the uh, name calling and the, uh, the mischaracterization, if not outright lying, about uh, about our, our policies as conservatives. We know our policies work and uh, because they, they have worked and they will work again. Uh, but I think it's really important for uh, for everybody, including young conservatives, to make sure you're well-informed. Uh, we try my best. I try my best on my website, cornyn.senate.gov or johncornyn.com for my political website to, to get as much information out there as I can about what's going on in Washington and around the state. And I also am fairly active, not, not as active as President Trump is on Twitter, but if you look at John Cornyn on on Twitter, uh, that's my handle, and I'm pretty active there, and I try to try to push out stories that I think don't get enough attention mm-hmm. or where there's clear hypocrisy or double standards apply or just things I think that people will find interesting. And so maybe that will help, help uh, people who follow that Twitter feed know what I know or what I'm learning, what I'm seeing about what's going on, and be better prepared to uh, – to fight the good fight on behalf of the conservative point of view. Well, we know you're going to do everything possible to help keep Texas red, keep control of the Senate, make sure that we can try and regain control of the House. Uh, you know, all this is incumbent upon it. It's important to keep that message of engagement. I appreciate that. Uh, as we wrap up here, uh, I know you're a big basketball fan. What's your thoughts? Do you think that the season is going to come back or can maybe we just get a Texas championship where we figure out like a a three team round Robin between the Spurs Mavericks and Rockets? Like uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm a, I I grew up in San Antonio and so I'm a big San Antonio Spurs fan, but of course I love all our Texas teams, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little dubious. We're going to have huge crowds gathering at basketball arenas or stadiums in the fall, that's going to be one of the biggest challenges for us. But if we develop an effective treatment and a vaccine, then I think 
we can pretty much get back to that uh, that new normal. Um, but right now, I think the jury's still out about whether uh, we'll have a, a season this year or have to wait another year. I'm I'm keeping my fingers crossed for uh, the season resuming uh, in a semi-normal way. Well, we appreciate your time, Senator. Uh, any other thoughts or final uh, messages to Texans as they uh, go through this response? Well, I, we do have an election coming up in a couple hundred days, and uh, obviously, we're, everybody's been discombobulated by this by this virus and by its impact on public health and the economy. But who is elected in November is vitally important to our state and to our country. And we need to make sure that we show up and that we do our due diligence in terms of voter registration. We're leaning forward right now on virtual voter registration. But just to give you an idea, in, in uh, 2014, when I last ran for election, there were 4.6 million Texans who voted. Two years ago, when Senator Cruz uh, battled Beto, more than 8 million people showed up. This year, we're predicting about 11 million. So there'll be more than twice as many people vote in 2020 as voted in 2014. We know that Democrats were emboldened by the last cycle and are pouring a lot of out-of-state money into our elections. Matter of fact, Chuck Schumer is trying to handpick my opponent in this uh in this uh, Senate race um, right now, Democrat Texas Democrats aren't cooperating, but we'll find out what happens when that runoff occurs in mid July. But we're going to need all your help, all hands on deck and make sure that we win from the white house down to the local courthouse. And so uh, please join us in this effort. Uh, it's really, really important. Our country is going to depend on who turns out and votes in this next election and who offers the kind of conservative leadership that our country needs in order to bounce back after this pandemic. Well, we appreciate you, Senator. Keep up the fight in D.C. We'll keep up the fight here in Texas as uh, young Republicans rally together to help keep Texas red and bring you back for another term, sir. Thank you. Have a good night. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you again to U.S. Senator John Cornyn for joining us, our very special guest on this live edition of the podcast. Thank you to you for tuning in here on Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're getting this. Thank you to our listeners on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, wherever you get the Big Tech Texas podcast. I do know how to say it. The Big Texas podcast. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate your support. Uh, continue to send us your candidates. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Big Texas Podcast. And make sure you are following Texas Young Republicans on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Till next time, friends. See you down the road.